Buenas and half a day, todos hamzu, bueno hudzung, gitano internet. <laughs> and so, um, my name is Michael Luhan Bavakwa. Um, I am one of your co-hosts today for this ep- today's episode of Fanatsu, the podcast by the from the from Independent Guahan. Uh, we are here to promote independent media decolonization, more rights conversations, and also educate about independence for Guam. And so my co-host today is Manny Cruz, who is who's behind the camera over there, making sure that we are not accidentally sort of um, broadcasting uh, Russian torture videos or something like that. And so we are we are uh, very honored today, Donkluna Onra Esti Paraguaho, that we have um, with us a very special guest. And so um, I'd like to introduce that guest to everyone out there. Um, and he will hopefully be willing today to share with us some of his stories um, from his, his family history to sort of activist struggles in Guam. And so Inanya Ibisitan Mami Pagusi Antonio Artero Sablan Tun Antonio. And so he is a founding member of Nashon Chamorro. He has been involved in land struggles, struggles. He, uh, he is also uh, here in Guam, many protests. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, but definitely somebody who has been willing not just to, to speak truth, but also to fight and stand up for truth and justice. Um, he is also and Magofuna Menchonesti, he is also a former chair of the Independence Task Force. And so when the Commission on Decolonization was first started, um, he and alongside, as well as Trini Torres, also served as previous chairs of the Independence Task Force. And so, Senor Magofuna, and accepta y invitación para un cuento si un poco. Si tú sueñas And so here, este para hago, and so, well, Magufuna on Kumbidaho, on Rupa Gosina, on Napusiblistina, on Nipara Tafangintus. By Tutun Finanina, he says to be a Namasang on you, to Mali Paristina Pati Finut Samoro, Sinon Zalakana Yendos. So, so how will that man love? Um, but it out Gui Hudzungne. So, from from now on, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up in Fanatsu. We're gonna try consciously to put more tomorrow into it so we can all learn together. Low. So, Sinon, how will that man mono upon Usa? Okay. Fenena by Tutuhuni, how firm is Tablibisa is a mono what motivates one person to act a certain way? The Guab by Sangan Fenena in a Sosukutati, a half a manianamo, half a mafanaguemo, and again, most important. Loki is Quilamo. Gay education, half a mafanogi of Gisquela, Eno Pagomina dos, Loimina tres, the Esquilamo Fenena Gimina dos, distilled Kikemo, Estakis, Bumiwa, Sapagumus Quela, okay. Loimina tres, a experience shamu, Colonia, a trauma, the Ginguahano, Unsesedi Nezi. Nina Piniti how Panina Magugufa Ejigitian Malefa Zan Pagoimina Patru e Hafa Imangachongmu 
zilinga peer pressure no um the ganhamzuni man man nge kentusen man gachongmu ta fa ma dead dear hawni man gachongmu ma fanana geo sigimona uh indigi loke no no omohalungi e hafa bidamu zen dan megelo ki megena fa ma gonta man man zilinga man in trouble no peer pressure no low uh no anyway by by I and Cadelico anyway because Masiamanu got to. And I did kill a twenty tres quattro on you so who has Susan a momento. Mustabas in and out of the tempuna no Saipan, seen an amanistabami. Sasita tauto to Saipan, seen an out of Togwam. Ala gigera purita to saipan si tatao ma presu si tatao dan si nanao zaman ma distilado man afan hono ulu saipan ti ma considera na toto guam si nanao zaman malago ugi sumaga guam lo anyway man magu fami no man magu si nanao magu si tatao ni ni ma establisha siya ba bunitu islan saipan gualo ke no talo mami gualan sun mami dan man maulik kinilala mami pas si nanao nai unu na custom brand niya i gov zinia Mamatina si dili nga tsamuru kek. Ay, yaday na guwao to di tempo gagay gya o gilapis na nao na hindi. Alsa o yun o bendusa. Guwao finin na no sampler na si pa'y tsatsagi tsamuru kek ni finatinas mam. Pues no uhasu na guwaha si tumben gogi na niya. No kalanizi abugao ni ma kalan ma train gi gi loti bialo prefectun lawyer tagi ivy league na lawyer ne lo alis ma train na singa afatina safana papira fano mauno pe korti na fasia za guiza ma fatu za o kentusi sina nausen on militar wa sai militar na kaki no uniformnya za ni tiongnya za guasia no e wasuzi Agila kita kerja zani, jadi saya oru na kalan na no ugly for whatever ni si na ujur za si kisah macam tu si sena nau za ujur zaman sena nau dulu kumati za nafasya pas umbiay sena nau agoti jadi pesun ni charco ni manjinila za Agoti gulu ni jadi kalau ni dia aminasa i i commander ni na time sebab alu commander sebab you know militer official no jadi kemakati sih na law jadi no pes ane sengonyo sih na law na masengongan ni ge sih na law si tatania kini Espanya Espanyol atau sih na law ni cemerungguam that Masangongani Sinanao na if she doesn't sign the paperwork that needs to be signed to convey our her interest in real estate, my grandfather would be incarcerated and so will my mom and be my grandfather would be deported back to Spain and my, my mother would never see her grandfather again alive because mm. my grandfather by then he was probably about in, her, in his mid-70s and uh, if he was sent, my mother, my mother had no means to go and travel, to go to Spain to see his grandfather or visit my grandfather. Um, so my mom, you know, his true love in life is, uh, number, of course, is God. And the second is his, her family. And the family hierarchy. Uh, where my mom truly love and respect the, she would she would give up everything away uh, if you know just the fact that she keeps her family intact and that including including my my grandfather being available for her to to you know share moments with and, and go and visit and and talk to her and talk to him I mean um, so that my mother explained that, and uh, the next time, na matutalo siya for shot 
recording all the land purchases into his children that are tomorrow's. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was was being threatened of being charged of uh, violating the authority of the commander of uh, of the navy at the time, in which uh, said that no no outsiders should purchase land or own land in Guam. But you know, it, the outsiders that did the buying is buying land for his children and he's placing it under his children who are, you know, half tomorrow's. Uh, so, but the fact that my mom is being threatened with, uh, if she doesn't sign away her interest on the property, which my family owns Anderson Air Force Base, which is what we call UPI, close to 5,000 acres of that land, wow. and also. Uh, close to a thousand acres in Nick Tamps, uh, which is now also known as NCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're big farmers and we're big uh, doing the uh, lumber industry. Uh, you know, we provide lumber for for the island's need. Uh, we also, I understand, we had something like close to a thousand head of cattle and about three thousand heads of pigs. So we were also supplying the island's need for you know most of the island's needs for for meat and poultry. Uh, I understand they even have turkeys and pheasants and you know chickens of course. Mm-hmm. Plenty, plenty chickens. Uh, so they were very industrious and they were very successful. Uh, but those things all were taken away and they dissipated that uh, at the time that uh, when World War II comes around, the, uh, the military came and took uh, our land, which is Anderson Air Force Base, uh, away, and the, the way of our life and the way of you know earning our what you call it surviving and stuff like that. My parents and my uncles and aunties, my grandfather, had to find other ways how to survive because all of a sudden the the vehicle that they use, in other words, the land that they use to produce and make money and uh, also supply them the family food, uh, supply the islands and most of the islands need for food. Uh, all of a sudden, it, it's no longer available because what has happened is that they were started um, drilling holes into all the Ifo wood and trees up in Anderson Air Force Base. Uh, uh, they started blasting the big Ifo wood tree because they said the bulldozer at the time was not strong enough. To push to push that those uh, huge uh, ifo wood, yeah. so um, we lost that land, and then they also one day my par- my 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 aunt, uncles because obviously we've been deported, uh, we were in Saipan that my uncle and aunties came up to NCS area, which is what we call Togwak area, and uh, they found out that uh, it's been fenced in by the U.S. military. Uh, Bob wire across the property line and it says uh, trespa- with a sign that says trespassers would be shot on site. So all of a sudden now their, their means of uh, the second uh, availability of land that's uh, available for them to to cultivate and uh, utilize to for their living is no longer available again. So uh, the the taking of the land from the Chamorro people is just a clear injustice. It is not just the, my family, the Otero family, that suffered. Uh, but I'm using the Oteros because, as an example, Anderson Air Force Base, when we lost it, uh, of course, the threat was that if we don't take the money, uh, we could be incarcerated and the threat of deportation for my grandfather. Um, 
it came down to the point where if you take the payment that the military uh, processed to court and my, if my mom would take the money from the from the uh, proceed for the uh, what you call it the, I would say confiscation of land not condemnation because they, they don't condemn land from non-US citizens mm. uh, and the Guam before the Organic Act was not a US recognized as a, a US uh, mandated properties so they uh, when, when my mom would take the proceed of one acre of land and would go across the street from the courthouse and tries to uh, buy chicken eggs to, to, for food supply for the family. She, she can't come out. She, she was not able to come out of that store with 12 dozen of chicken eggs. Wow. So who in heaven knows a very productive land that would take a whole acre and there's a lot of things you could do and grow in one acre and you cannot buy 12 dozen, 12 dozen of chicken eggs. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it, the injustices, is, it, it, happened, it happened all over the island. I mean, many, many tomorrows. We were, our land was just confiscated and uh, we suffered a lot, tremendously. From my understanding that the, uh, uh, the American naval government at the time uh, realizing that uh, the they could not le uh, legally take land away from the Chamorro people uh, without us being uh, under so-called U.S. soil, uh, and many have reasoned that the Organic Act was passed to legalize the taking of the, the Chamorro land. In fact, the my Anderson Air Force Base was uh, my family's property was taken through court proceeding, U.S. Um, Naval Court, uh, and the U.S. Navy is the one that was taking the land, uh, took the land, uh, and it was. I, I I stand back to reason and I say, uh, well, you know, you could challenge that one dollar, but you know, we were just out of the rubbles of the war. A few years earlier, uh, my ancestors and Mary Chamorro's people were being beheaded, being slaughtered, put into a cave and dynamited or angranated. And there's the fear of authority, the fear of uniform. So would you stand up and say in process? You definitely would not, out of the big hammer of fear and survival, a matter of survival. Mm -hmm. So. It uh, that has been my childhood experience, and one of the things that the second time that I mentioned earlier about my this military guy that visited my mom while she was baking, mm -hmm. uh, my mom started you know profusely crying, right? And it affected me dramatically because I was right there, and my mom's uh, you know lapis mom, you know, was a small child. And uh, I, I literally did my first protest at that moment, and I went after that official, the U.S. military officer, and I started biting on his legs. Uh, believe me, I put a few chunk of my teeth into his legs. Uh, anyway, they managed to separate us, um, and. Uh, you know, my mom told me to, you know, don't do that, and you know, could get her into further trouble. So uh, that, to me, is my first traumatic experience of uh, standing up and, and uh, saying no to the aggressive uh, mm -hmm. American government, the representative of the American government that's been that was threatening and also confiscating our way of life. Um, you know, what's really know. interesting is, um, you know. That's a that's a very um, very touching story and a very graphic story. Um, and you know, just imagining myself, you know, like I'm a I'm a mama's boy also. And if if 
to see my mom in that kind of a struggle and that sort and that kind of um, emotional uh, hardship, um, I'd probably do the same thing. Um, but nowadays, like when people see people protesting or maybe even blocking a road um, in protest, uh, they um, they they decry that sort of a uh, like um, direct. Uh, activism or direct protest against the oppression but for you it, it was uh, common sense to to go and um protect your mother in this way so um what what's your what's your perspective on um you know uh you know taking direct action like that you know i am definitely very much in support of that i think it's the right thing to do that's what I call peaceful protest because the biting door is not so peaceful <laughs> but I was a small child I got excuse for that uh, but to stand up and I over the years of uh, being uh, uh, involved in, in protests is that you know I block road I lay on top in the middle of the road I I sit and barbecue in the middle of the road uh, uh, and I'll explain some of those processes that I my experience in those uh, what has happened is that you know of course after my dad died when I was 12 years old my mom brought us back to Guam so we continued on with our life and I uh, when I graduated from high school um, in 1971 I went to the, to California in the Bay Area and I started uh, going to school one of the, the my aspiration was uh, and I'm already all set up to uh, that from from the school I was attending to go right into St. Patrick's College in Menlo Park, California. Mm -hmm. And what that thing is, it's it's for major seminary to become a Catholic priest. Um, unfortunately, God has other plans for me, and um, I got my girlfriend in trouble at the time, and uh, I have to you know face up to my responsibility, and I ended up getting married. So. I couldn't be a priest uh, being a married person. <laughs> uh, but I was also in the minor seminary here at Father Drenes uh, uh, for a while, but I had to, to take a leave from that uh, seminary because, uh, I, like I said, I was pretty much like an orphan because my mom and my, my dad died when I was 12 and my mom died when I was 17, so... I have to be out there supporting myself, and even even that time, my mom doesn't believe in social programs, so uh, we were out there as her children, toiling and working so we could bring money home to support our family. Mm. Uh, unfortunately for me, uh, being in the States, uh, I received a letter from the Selective Service Board from Guam, and uh, it tells me that uh, Congratulations, I have been selected to be drafted. I have a number two lottery number. Wow. Uh, so I, I reported to uh, the Selective Service Board in Hayward, California. And what they did is they sent me to Oakland for a, a, you know physical examination. And after that, I was told by the Selective Service Board that not to sign for the second semester of, of college because for sure I'll be going to uh, to be drafted for military service to the United States. At the time, I'll be honest, I was I was naive, mm -hmm. I was patriotic, I was willing to fight and die, but my consciousness of wanting to be a priest, that, and I know that a lot of my friends prior to my leaving Guam, a lot of my friends were went to Vietnam, they come back telling their stories about fighting and and, and shooting and kidding, killing Viet, Viet Congs is what mm -hmm. they call it. Uh, and it's, uh, it is not something for me to be shooting and, and especially through my education process is that I learned that what are, what, where's Vietnam and where's the Viet Congs? And it seems like those people are at home fighting for their home, fighting for their homeland. So I can't, in my relationship with my God, face the fact that I'm gonna go to Vietnam and kill Vietnamese uh, who are fighting and defending themselves against the aggressive superpower of, of such as like France before and, and then America. And we all become victimized if the 
uh, militarization of Guam, and we become to be uh, colonized in, in especially in our thinking that to serve and stand up and fight for America is is being patriotic. And as as I sit back and think about it is, I don't have a Congress uh, man that represents me who would vote in uh, the floor. I don't have any senator representative, and yet I cannot vote for the U.S. president. So what am I doing trying to serve the country? Um, I will serve because I don't want to commit crime by being a draft, draft dodger or you know, fighting the, the draft. Uh, and therefore, I was, at the time, I was more interested in, in you know, so-called my family. Um, uh, so I selected to join the Navy. And in the Navy, I, I was uh, signing into the advanced electronic program. I became a sonar technician. Uh, I served in the Navy. Um, I was trained in electronics, and therefore, uh, um, you know, I have no complaint about serving in the military service. Uh, after coming out of the military, I took advantage of my GI benefits, and I uh, went to, started out by going to Portland Community College, and then I ended up going to University of Portland, which is a prestigious uh, Catholic university. And uh, a lot of people in Guam knows the university because it becomes, yeah, the University of Portland becomes the uh, Notre Dame of the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know. Anyway, uh, mm. I stayed in the States from 1971 uh, all the way to uh, 1982, except for a short break after Typhoon Pamela. I came back to Guam, worked a little bit, and then returned back to go to school. Mm. Um, I when, I was, uh, when I was here in 76, yeah. I participated in, in land action, land, land activity, and uh, I was fortunate, and I, you know, it was an honor to serve with, uh, uh, you know, Chilang Bamba, John Bond, and, on, and being a member of the uh, uh, Guam Land Owners Association. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really, really quickly, um, uh, I want to go back to you being drafted and uh, how, you know, you, you just mentioned how um, you had to learn about Vietnam. You didn't know where Vietnam was and you had, for yourself, you had no reason to go there to fight these other people, to kill these other people. And that brought me back to um, a very famous quote that uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, um, when he was on a talk show, I think, um, where, I'm, I'm going to read this now, but he, he mentions a lot of the same things. He said, why should they ask me to put me, why should they ask to put me in a uniform and go 10,000 miles from home and drop bombs and bullets on brown people in Vietnam, while so-called Negro people in Louisville are treated like dogs and denied simple human rights? I'm not going 10,000 miles from home to help murder and burn another poor nation simply to continue the domination of white slave masters of the darker people over the world. This is the day when such evils must come to an end. I have been warned that to take such a stand would cost me millions of dollars, but I have said it once and I will say it again. The real enemy of my people is here in the United States. I will not disgrace my religion, my people, or myself by becoming a tool to enslave those who are fighting for their own justice, freedom, and equality. If I thought the war was going to bring freedom and equality to 22 million of my people, they wouldn't have to draft me. I join tomorrow. I have nothing to lose by standing up for my beliefs, so I'll go to jail. So what? We've been in jail for 400 years. That's what Muhammad Ali said way, way back when. And you shared a lot of the, the same uh, sentiments as well. So I guess my question is, like, how did you, how did you reconcile, um, you know, this, uh, this um, distaste for, uh, for American um, uh, oppression over, over yourself and ha especially having that, that very personal experience? Uh, with your mother and then um you know now being told that you had to fight for this country you know i started my education in this process when i was a child but then throughout the years that i growing up in guam uh you know i, I continued to have a taste of those uh, that experience and then uh, of course being drafted and 
I ended up uh, joining the Navy. And even, even uh, that what uh, you read there about what Muhammad Ali said is that that is what my experience has been in the military, that black is to be wrong mm-hmm. and to be white, white is to be right. Yeah. Uh, so I, even my first experience, I went down to Orlando, uh, Florida for uh, basic training, uh, what so-called boot camp. And man, I, I, before going to the States, before going to that particular place, um, I've never experienced any kind of prejudice. I don't know what that is. And it's uh, when I see how the black people would standing there, not doing anything, uh, well, you know, they all of a sudden they got selected to be punished. Uh, it's what they call selective, selective prosecution. And, and one day, I, I, uh, my first negative experience on it is that I stood up for one of the black guys that was uh, being unfairly treated. And before I know it, uh, I was awakened by what they call in the boot camp, a blanket party. Mm. Uh, that is when they take blanket and they cover you down, you know, like four or six guys, and they put a bar of soap inside the socks and they start slamming it on your body. Yeah. Uh, and I, I suffered tremendously on that. Uh, the following day, of course, a company commander you know, came and I, I was really hurting. It's a good thing they didn't break any bone on my, but, but uh, I asked to go see a doctor. And I discovered him to 30 years later that he was a true redneck yeah. because uh, uh, when I was trying to you know, reach out and just trying to you know call for old times and try to reach out with my uh, former uh, Navy mate uh, in that particular uh, company in boot camp, I found out that my company commander was uh, from Georgia. And of course, he was a white man. Uh, and the way I see that he he turned his head when the blacks are not uh, being treated fairly, uh, I, I've never really concluded that because I, I never really had the experience of, of what prejudice is. Learning that is going through life in, uh, in the States. I spent 11 years there and I... Uh, um, I have, uh, you know, come across different time, different places where there's a little taste of that and a little taste of the other thing. And uh, I, I mind you, I've, I've, I've met many good white people in the States and uh, became my very close friend. But uh, I also came across uh, people that I really would love to not to know that they never come to one, you know, because of uh, it's uh, it, it they just they don't have a place for in my in my heart for them in Guam. Mm-hmm. Um, I I returned to Guam in 1982, and uh, I found out when I returned that the our family's land called Uruno Beach. Uh, now I need to get a, a U.S. issued military ID card. Uh, to identify myself as a landowner. And I would need to use this to, to go into Potts Junction Gate and to go through Route 3A and go down to Runao. Uh, Runao is about the size of Tumun Bay on a stretch uh, from uh, Hilton all the way to Nico Hotel. Uh, Runao is, is pretty much in, in line of that size. and. Uh, I would go mainly for you know uh, hunting coconut crab or uh, uh, hunting for deer meat or wild pig, and I if I'm in the jungle, park my car of course you know by the edge of the of the jungle uh, off the road. I would hear my uh, uh, loud uh, uh, bullhorn speaker calling uh, out would the owner of this blue pick up license plate, you know, come out. And of course, that identifies my vehicle, so I, I come out. 
and immediately I would be accosted by M16 pointing in my directions and many times I would be uh, told to lie on the ground and then I would have a uh, barrel of the M16 in the back of my neck and you know there are times when I was uh, I asked the guy to please please don't don't put, put that on my neck because if, if the guy would by accidentally pull a trigger it would have blown my head apart and his his uh, response was uh, that's right buddy I would splash you in a minute and I would splash your head yeah uh, so there's a lot of, of of fear but yet it just makes me stronger again mm -hmm. to to stand up that, that this is a, a wrong thing and it's an injustice and therefore I started participating in uh, in uh, doing self I would be the one in along up in front of Anderson Air Force Base gate and it says USA return our land stolen by USA uh, and many times I would stand there and uh, I would have a couple of friends that would come by and uh, most of the most uh, like uh, most of the time uh, I would get the finger uh, by military personnel or yeah. you know Caucasian people that are passing by or I, I would have a, a beer can hitting a beer bottle hitting my direction so I have to dodge it so I won't get hurt in the process of getting hit with it. Um, at one time, I and every year I have to go into to the civil division to get my paperwork uh, processed, then go to the base commander for his signature, and then go to pass an ID so I could get and again and renewed my ID card that would permit me to go to my own family's property. And it, it reached a point where uh, they, would, they, gave, they also gave me a sticker for my car. They put it in the bumper. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, passing by, they automatically identified that, you know, um, I have the right to be, my, at least my vehicle has the right to go in there. And the, they wanted to scrape that off because they don't want to give the landowners any more of that, that uh, bumper sticker. So, and I was resisting. Uh, of course, I don't accept them and anything they do. Um, so they stopped my vehicle again at gunpoint, M16, and the barrels are at my direction. And they told me to get down, uh, my arms up, and then they told me to lay down and on the ground. And they, what they did is that they, uh, they stopped traffic flow going in and out of of Anderson Main Gate, Anderson Air Force Base. Um, I, if I think back, I, I kind of chuckled to myself and I said, I must be that important that they uh, have to stop the traffic flow of, of the entire uh, uh, in and out of uh, Anderson Air Force Base. Yeah. But it was at that moment when I, there's another uh, moment at that particular time, another event took place is that, uh, you know, there's a whole backup of vehicle, and I just noticed that, uh, you know, I was there with my head down, and, and the M16 is in the back of my head. And then after they completed their task, you know, they told me to, okay, I could get up and go. I got in my car and I left. Uh, sometimes later, I, I met a gentleman, and... I started working with him, and his name is Angel Santos. And Angel uh, explained to me that uh, he was there at the gate, and he was looking at me, and, and it was at that moment he said that I inspired him to, uh, it was that moment that inspired him to, to stand up and, you know, start helping and advocating for tomorrow rights uh, to get respected in our homeland. Mm -hmm. And uh, he told me that he's my, um, what's you call it, my negative experience at that particular moment gave him the positive, 
conviction that he is going to stand up and start uh, aspiring for and fighting for tomorrow rights and and uh, since then on Angel and I uh, became good friends and uh, uh, he he became quickly became my leader and and uh, leading us and uh, we finally formed the uh, the nation tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, and you know many other people that were were part and we became the members of the nation tomorrow. Uh, Angel, of course, was our leader at the time, and it will always be. It was an honor. It has been. It was an honor to always have good, positive memory and uh, you know working and serving with Angel like we're comrades in in uh, a movement that uh, just. I I think back about how the Spanish succeeded in us saying the word on a negative connotation, matapang. Mm -hmm. And matapang is supposed to be a very honorable chief, one of the first person that ever stood up against foreign colonization. And yet, we Chaburu, on a regular days, we, as soon as something is distasteful, something not kosher to, to your needs or to your so-called colonized mentality, you say, hey, matapang mm -hmm. You know, we ourselves uses the word matapang to make it be a negative word for our own people. And to me, um, every time I hear someone say matapang, I would uh, pull them on the side and say, please, matapang is our first national hero. That we that stood up and and you know gave his life yeah. for fighting for our rights as Chamorro people, mm -hmm. and uh, it's and here we are denigrating his his honorary name. Uh, I also could go into what happened to San Vitoris and what happened to Matapang, but that's another story in itself. But Matapang to me is our hero, and uh, with, with full respect. I, I would always ask somebody to uh, please don't use the word Matapang because yeah. Matapang is, is an honorable man in, mm -hmm. in my heart and my mind that, uh, you know, we go through that process of life. And standing up and, and fighting for tomorrow rights is that, you know, hey, if, uh, if Mohatma Gandhi never stood up against the British, India would still be a colony of uh, the British, Great Britain. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King again stood up and he advanced the rights and issues of the black people in the United States because, you know, at the very edge of that, of his protest, I came into the United States in 1971, and I, uh, I, I still experience a lot of negative uh, uh, action by the Americanos, mm -hmm. uh, the white people uh, against the black people, and uh, maybe I was light enough, but, but uh, you know, I, I try, I was spared some of those, but uh, in reality, uh, maybe when they hear my accent, that they know that I'm not. Uh, you know, one of them, and I also was dished out a few of the uh, um, injustices of, uh, I would say, the inequitable uh, rights of a person that uh, suffered through prejudices. Mm. So, I mean, maybe maybe you touched on this just now too, but um, when you were when you had the gun gun multiple times right uh guns oh, many, to the many back times, of, many yes. times when you had the barrel of gun, barrels of guns uh to the back of your head unfortunately um, it was the mm -hmm. firing end of the of the yeah. barrel yeah so what what was it for you did you ever at that moment did you conceptualize your oppression through your through your skin tone was it was it race for you or was it um how did how did you how did you conceive of um like why you were being oppressed like in such a way 
Well, the military until this until nowadays, even it continues to be. As we could see what's happening with militarization of of Guam again, mm-hmm. that uh, things are happening and uh, they, they don't ask us to to join them and uh, participate with them and what they're going to do. Uh, they just say this is what we're going to do, yeah. and they they do certain things just to mitigate some of those uh, oppression on their part, but. In reality, the tomorrows are not being respected in, in our island. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we need to do, of course, in, in us for us to succeed is that we tomorrows have to decolonize our thinking. Yeah. We don't need, we don't have to continue to accept this oppression. This is our homeland. This is our home. We don't, they are the visitors. Like the Spanish were visitors of Guam. And guess what? Their reign has you know, fizzled away. And then the Americans, and then the Japanese came, and they, they, they're now the Americans. The end of American times in Guam is bound to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when? That I don't know, but you know what? It could end much quicker if we tomorrow just stand up and say, how about renting Guam if you're yeah. going to use it for military? Mm-hmm. How about paying us the billions of dollars that you pay other nations to put your military uh, forces there? You know that Guam, in my last reading, was that has the, the largest bomb uh, depository in the world outside the continental United States. Wow. Uh, you know, we have more weapons here in Guam than any place else in the world outside the, the continental mm. United States. And uh, what is that worth that Korea now is, is aiming nuclear weapon at our children and I, the future, because I'm 65 years old. I think I have left, already lived a, a you know, a good life in, in experiencing the ups and downs of the atrocities of, of negative uh, treatment in Guam by so-called our masters, the, the U.S. military. And the opening of Guam's floodgates for uh, for immigration, uh, the, the negotiation between the U.S. government and FSM, uh, without fair compensation to Guam, is, is truly an injustice. The segregation of the education system, the U.S. military schooling, the segregation of, of the military and you know I'm a disabled vet mm-hmm. and, and I'm privy to be go up to Naval Hospital and I see the difference in, in the quality of, uh, of manpower and uh, availability of resources in the Naval Hospital versus Guam Memorial because in Guam Memorial we need our doctors here and our nurses need to treat everyone that comes to Guam uh, just fresh out of the plane and they go right up to Guam Memorial and they, they have to take them. It doesn't matter whether it would cost $100,000 to treat that person. That would never pay a penny, but we're obligated to do it. Mm-hmm. In the military, if I don't have an appointment card for Naval Hospital, I can't even enter their gate. And I'm, a, I'm carrying a card where it says service-connected disabled pen. Mm-hmm. So those are the inequities and that uh, we need to address and we need to say, hey, pay us the fair market value of threatening my grandson or my granddaughter so that life might be, their whole future would be terminated because an enemy of the United States doesn't like Donald Trump Mm -hmm. and decides to put a nuclear warhead in our shores uh, or right into the heart of Guam. and I, 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 what's that's too much of a price to pay yeah. and uh, you know why are we accepting it why are we not speaking out and, and standing to object to such uh, uh, you know event mm-hmm. uh, that we're constantly being threatened it used to be the Cold War Russia and then China now, and then now the most aggressive one is is uh, North Korea, and and we're we're you know 
the United States, it kind of behooves me that the United States will say that they would shoot down those weapons that uh, would be coming our direction, nuclear, nuclear warhead, to destroy and kill us all. I don't have confidence that the United States has the capability to uh, stop those weapons from coming. Yeah. And even if they blow, you know, they blow them up in the skies, and for example, if they're successful, just the fallout from that nuclear, uh, you know, it, it, it's bad enough to kill us. Uh, of course, the impact explosion is the one that kills people most, and, and a nuclear explosion, then the fireballs that comes with it, but the great damages and the prolonged suffering for the, by the people is the radiation. Mm -hmm. And for sure, we're going to suffer that radiation. Uh, we need to stop, we need to stand up and speak out and, and say, like Roberto Duran says, no mas, no mas, basta, mm -hmm. you know? So really let's think about our children, let's think about, don't think about us because I mean myself, I, I like to think about my granddaughter and my grandson that uh, is going to be the future Guam uh, for us. And I tr truly believe that each and every one of us, if we, if we love our family, we care for our children and grandchildren, we really need to stand up and, and fight because as an independent Guam, and I totally advocate for independent, number one is that if we are going to be placed in a position of being uh, destroyed or, or our life being jeopardized, then let's enjoy the best of everything. Uh, a four billion dollar annual rent for Guam is really a very reasonable price, and and maybe it's, it's a little on the low boat side. Mm. But uh, four billion, what would it do? Or six hundred million dollar tax the economy of Guam that runs the government of Guam. Mm -hmm. If you multiply that by four billion, that's six six almost six seven times more than what we're receiving now. Uh, it could mean no more taxation for Guam. It could me still mean that we have the best roads, the best hospital, the best utility agency, and the best government Guam, the best police force, the best fire department, mm -hmm. everything on the best. Uh, our, our education system for our children would be the best, would be the, it will be the envy of, of the region that we could, uh, you know, prosper and, and make money and educate mm -hmm. our, our neighboring uh, people and to come to Guam and say, hey, Guam is the place to be because of, you know, they have the best of everything. Mm -hmm. so. You know, um, one thing I want to bring up uh, with you is that um, um, a lot of times, and I, I think we're, we're going to see this tomorrow with uh, Senator Mike and Nicholas's, uh his resolution um, supporting the military buildup, but what, what we see is that a lot of times the people who who speak out against uh, decolonization um, and who who promote the military buildup are um, people in the business community but what I appreciate about you uh, senor is that uh, you're obviously uh, very business minded you're you're a savvy guy um, but you're also um, a staunch uh, supporter of decolonization and um, I think the problem is that uh, most business people here on Guam they're only in it for short-term gains and they're only in it for for short-term profits and um, they they're probably scared to to lose what they have and because of that they're not seeing the potential for for a future uh, independent guan but i mean um you, like you just mentioned four four billion dollars uh, annually for uh, for military rents um and there, there's other there's other things there uh, too so i if you can you know if you wanted to elaborate on other like your your vision uh, of uh, an economically uh, prosperous independent Guahan. Well, uh, I'm glad you asked me that question because tomorrow I do intend to uh, go and testify in front of uh, Senator Mike Sinicholas because, in my opinion, it's a short-sighted uh, to say that the militarization and the firing range is a positive uh, impact for Guam economically. Mm -hmm. On a short term, I agree. On a long term, if you take, uh, earlier I mentioned that Uruno is the size 
of Tumul Bay. Yeah. Tumul Bay right now is the bread basket of Guam. It, it's more revenues are being re- received by the government of Guam from activities at Uruna. And even outside, I mean, activities of Tumul Bay. Outside Tumul Bay, they supply uh, activities that's going on. Like if you have a business in Ghana, you're supplying uh, activities that's going on in Tumul Bay. And uh, there's a, the revenues of the government of Guam is benefiting tremendously from activities at Tumul Bay. Tumul Bay is three miles long. If you go up north, starting with Falcona, uh, double reef areas, what they call Falcona, Haputu area, and then further north is Urunau. Urunau, that Falcona beach is about maybe about half a mile long, and Urunau is about three miles long. Then you get north of Urunau is Retidian Point, and that in itself is another three miles long. Then you get to Hinapsen, around the corner, but normally known as Castro's Beach. Mm. If the government of Guam, such as Mike St. Nicholas or Madeline Bodalio, would fight to get those land, such as Retirian Point, returned back to the original landowners, the economic potentials and the impact of that is tremendous. I remember participating in the board of directors of the Otero family uh, in negotiation with this Japanese conglomerate mm. that wanted to develop Uruna. Their aspiration was to save Uruna, the limestone jungle, the forest, to leave it intact and not to damage it and to build hotels and inclu- inclusive of an 18 hole golf course around the beach area of Uruna. Mm-hmm. The development price tag back then was $4 billion. Wow. If you consider this small pittance of a couple of hundred million dollars to, to develop the firing range versus the $4 billion for hotel, and the hotel is a, uh, it, it, that, at that time they were, they were looking at building uh, the hotel as a destination resort. In other words, we have a lot of tourists in Guam coming to Tumun Bay. But Tumun Bay, according to those people, they say Tumun Bay was the baby factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, baby factory in a sense that most factory workers are coming to Guam. And most people that are honeymooning are coming to Guam. And normally the low-income people from Japan and other places. Uh, we have not developed a destination resort and rich people with plenty money. And believe me, China people have plenty money. Uh, Japan has, the, the rich people of Japan, they, they're not coming to Guam. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying totally not, but uh, most of them are not heading this way. But let's develop something to attract them. And that will become a tremendous uh, impact to the economy of Guam that will last for another 50 years not just a firing range that will pollute our water lens and, and uh, maybe one of, one of these days or one of our fishermen is going to get uh, accidentally shot out in the ocean. Um, you know, we must put a stop to this because firing range is not, it's not an environmentally good thing to happen to our soil, to our water lens and to our people, and then it is, it's t- if you put a noise mental, there's devil there that's always, you hear bang, 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 boom, 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 uh, all day long as they, they're firing that seven million dollars, seven million uh, rounds of, uh, annual rounds year, of, right? uh, yeah. of weapons that are going to. Nobody wants to build, and, and nobody wants to relax and enjoy a neighboring land when you, all you hear is that noise. So, you know, firing range is, is, I really object to it because it's going to kill the whole future development of a stretch of seven miles of one of the most beautiful, it is the beautiful, most beautiful beach on the island of Guam. And those uh, from Enapsan all the way down to Haputu, including Retidian and Urunau, 
it is uh, it is beautiful if you go up there and you, f- you know, walk on the sand it's it's thick almost fluffy type sand and yeah. your feet li- literally sinks in as you walk in and and the tourists when when they go in there they they really have a great time and enjoying the mm-hmm. very nice very clean uh, beach area yeah. and all we have to do is preserve that and even though some of the Orlando owners would not maybe want to develop their property, but let it be that their decision, mm-hmm. not somebody else 10,000 miles away making that decision for us. We are the king of this land. We are the king and queens of this land. It's our land. Not It doesn't belong to Washington, D.C. And uh, if, if somebody wants to preserve their interest in the property, guess what? Wouldn't it be wonderful to say this area is preserved? Right now, on our our share of Aruna, the Artero Sablan, uh, we have one sixth interest of the Aruna Beach. Mm-hmm. We we have a business activity going on, mm-hmm. and it's ecotourism. Uh, cocoa palm is in our fam- my family's land, and uh, you know they're just promoting a, a nice day activity on it, and some hiking, some yeah cave exploration wow. and it, it's it's it, it's a re- really a relaxing place to be mm-hmm. and uh, we could continue on that because just we could make it bigger and we could put a hotel maybe on one side whoever wants mm-hmm. to do a place to be developed yeah. but at least there's some place for them to go and hey we go to that you see that corner over there mm-hmm. let's go over there and relax and enjoy and explore the the natural beauty of the island absolutely yeah uh, senor um we're coming up on uh over an hour but uh, it was great having you here um are, are there any uh i'm, I'm curious because um you know us are us younger activists we talk a lot about um the burnout you know when when you're emotionally you're mentally and you're physically exhausted from you know just uh you know constantly having to fight against the media against the military um and uh you know all of these things that we do uh, but you've been uh you've been fighting now for decades so um what 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 inspiration could you give uh people of my generation and maybe even people of your generation who still after all these years haven't come around they haven't seen the light yet what would you say to them now the first thing i like to try to inspire on people is that think about this think about it carefully and the first process we need to do is decolonize our thinking. Mm-hmm. We know we should know that we are free people, and we should. This is our homeland. Most importantly, our homeland, and then move on forward to do what's right, mm-hmm. and don't ever back up. Don't ever criticize. Uh, I have my own experiences. My my own family, for example, are you know a lot of them are opposed to what I do, and then. It, it doesn't stop me because, you know what, there are many times I feel that when you're moving forward, trying to accomplish things, the United States government at one time sued me for a quarter of a million dollars because I, I, I opened up a road to, to lead into my property. And guess what? Those are the moments when I said somebody, because it, it started out with my members of my family, that got me tripped and I fall flat on my face, but guess what? I pick myself up, dust all the dust off my face, and continue moving forward because I am totally convinced that it's the right thing, uh, not just for myself, but guess what? For my for the future generation of the people of Guam. Yeah. So, you know, we have such a nice, beautiful, valuable piece of rock or piece of beautiful paradise in the Pacific Ocean. Let's enjoy it. And let's benefit from it instead of Uncle Sam with his uh, runways and uh, firing range. So, you know, let this island be our island as as to, you know, in Vietnam, they literally kills hundreds of thousands of people in, in Vietnam. But guess what? They, those guys proudly stood up for their homeland. And many countries would have stood up and proudly realizing that it is their, theirs and it, nobody else's and you stand up and protect it and it's not to say shut everybody out but guess what 
you have the insight and you have to say so and invite people to come in to share, not to mandate and to rule over you. And I am always proud and I, there's an old saying is, I haven't yet started to fight. <laughs> nice, yeah. All right, Sizo Smasi. And, and thank you for, and I, I warned you in the very beginning, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that. And the good. more I talk, and the more excited I get to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sijus Masi. Sijus Masi. Thank you. Ihinengaynga independent guahan. Para ba inafan matakna yaman tomorrow? Para tutuli tati idiretsota komo unnashon gihilutano. Gini minet gut niha ymanyanata. Dani guinezata nui famago umta motna. Ina keke fan manungo. Dani keke fanetun todu itato siha. Ni manyasaga gi ininatano. Paratana let fetna ida wahan ni todu inina senyata kosiki senyata fan latla maulik motna fanatsu hita latmon